One huge thing that surprised me was the way that you were understanding the topic. You seemed also interested in the topic and you really grasped it in that sense that you could also give feedback not only on how I delivered it, but also on what made sense in the content. And that I thought was very surprising because in the moment that they told me voice coaching, I thought all you were going to do was make sure that I pronounce correctly and that I don't speak too fast and things like that. And you did that, of course. But then you brought so much, you really helped me perform the talk. So that I think was really surprising and I didn't expect that. A very uh, nice fringe benefit, I would say. Welcome to season six of Your Voice Matters podcast, where you will learn about the behind the scenes of the vocal coaching practice, discover unexpected stories from leaders, entrepreneurs and experts, but also fun facts and science. My name is Inez Mora, I'm an executive vocal coach, and I invite you to dive into my world, the world of voice. Welcome to the last episode of the season, the behind the scenes, where we find out interesting stories from speakers who have been through some voice or communication coaching. Well, that's the case of my guest today, Eva Champagne. We met through TEDx Love in Brussels, where she was a speaker and I was her speaker coach. She's the owner and partner of a strategic consultancy company. She's also a certified yoga teacher and master health and well-being coach. She's passionate about the link between individual health, well-being, and the health of our planet. She strongly advocates for education on the topic of health and well-being, including relationships from primary school onwards. Welcome, Eva. So glad to have you here. Thank you, Ines. Thank you for the invitation. We're excited to talk to you today. Yes, um, we have been looking forward to this for, for some time when we finally have the time to, to record our, our talk. Um, so Eva, we met a few months ago and one of the things that I found striking about you is that you are passionate about different things, different fields um, and topics, and you combine them in a very special way. So first of all, um, tell us about what are you passionate about um, and how does this came into your life? Mm -hmm. Yes, well, you summarized it really well in the introduction. So I am very passionate about health and well-being on an individual level, but then also how that links to the health and well-being of a society as a whole, and further even how that is linked to the health of our planet. And how I came to this is a little bit of a journey, but I'll, I'll tell it in a little uh, shorter way. Um, since I was a kid, I was totally fascinated by nature. Anything furry or crawly I had my attention. And then my dad got me really young into um, following the news. So I grew up in the 70s. There was an oil crisis. There was a huge oil spill. The Exxon Valdez that really struck, struck me as a kid. I still see those images of, of the drowning birds and, and seals and so on. So I was aware of this at a very young age. And then, you know, life happens, you grow up, you go to school, you go to uni, you start your career. 
uh, I became a marketeer. I had the chance to work in some really great companies. And, um, and then about uh, 15 years ago, I set up my own consultancy in uh, customer excellence. Um, and I went on and I worked hard and, you know, success mm -hmm. and all of that. And all of a sudden, I found myself end of 2019 in a health crisis. And um, this was happening just before the pandemic. So I followed the advice of my GP. I quit the stressful environment that I was in. And I started focusing on my health. Um, and through lifestyle changes, I recovered my own health. Then I found myself in the pandemic. So I had a lot of time. And experiencing the impact of lifestyle changes on my own health, I then uh, thought, well, I want to know more about this. So I went and studied on the master uh, health and well-being coach. And that's where I really saw uh, scientific studies that prove this link between individual health, societal health, and planetary health. And it's quite logical if you think about it, because one of the major factors that people get sick is external impact, external stress. External stress is the major cause of chronic disease. Now, people that are sick, they are exhausted, they're tired, they have more important things on their mind. So they're going to take shortcuts and invest less in smart choices for themselves and for the planet. So you're more easily go to comfort food. You take a takeaway from the yeah. convenience store or your bag of chips or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the you make when you're not feeling optimal, make it worse. So you get in a vicious circle and those choices not only impact yourself and your own health, but then you get irritated, you, your resilience is slow, so you react more reactively to the external environment that then has a negative impact. And as you see, like this, there is a huge ripple effect because there's only one individual with chronic disease that's manageable, but apparently 60% of the population, adult population, now we're talking US numbers, has a chronic disease. So you see the massive impact this has. Mm -hmm. So that's why I got to this idea. I want to work around uh, taking away uh, the, the root cause, basically, and helping people to, on an individual level, get better, mm -hmm. which will then have a ripple effect going forward in society and in therefore in the and then for our planet as well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's basically working on a micro level to hopefully achieve effect mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes um and with with all of that so it started in the in your own crisis uh, before pandemic um, yes. And then, um, what what triggered your decision to to do a TEDx about uh, well being relationships? Yes. Yeah, so this um, in a, in a really short, <laughs> I saw the ad on uh, LinkedIn, the post by uh, TEDx KUL Leuven Brussels that they were looking for speakers. This was January two thousand twenty three, and. Because I was already uh, thinking about how can I work around this topic of uh, health and well-being and, and create more of an impact, um, I kind of like thought, okay, that's very interesting, but I'm not ready. So I saved the post, but it kept playing in the background in my mind. 
uh, a week later, we're now end of January. I'm like, no, no, I have to go back to it. I have to read and see what is needed because by then I had um, really uh, thought about the importance of relationships, human relationships on the health. And I wanted to do something with that. Mm -hmm. And um, I checked the post and I checked the application process two days before the closing. <laughs> and, okay. If not now, then when, right? Living on the edge. <laughs> Living on the edge. So I, I filled it in. And to my surprise, uh, two weeks later, I got a mail and, and the mail said, oh, we'd like to invite you for the first round of selection interviews, mm -hmm. which I participated in. And then I think by the end of February somewhere, uh, the short list of speakers was announced and I was officially uh, a future TEDx speaker. So it all went really quickly, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So for those who are listening to this and think about what is necessary to be a speaker in a TEDx, mm -hmm. so first of all, there are uh, ads on around four, six months before the due date. <laughs> and so they open the, um, the applications for the general public so you, everyone can apply it. Uh, however, uh, there's also um, a criteria about you being an expert on the topic that you are talking about. And being an ex expert is showing some, uh, you know, in your CV, in your expertise, if you've studied about it. Uh, in your case, you already have studied this topic with plus with all the ex years of experience that you have in, in stress <laughs> and in the corporate life. So for those who are wondering... Uh, always pay attention like four, three, six months before the date. And normally the TEDx are in April. So around, you know, November, December, January, there might be some opportunities for you as well. So it was your case. Um, and so what, what did you, before joining the TEDx process, um, did you know that you will have coaching? Uh, because some TEDx don't have this opportunity to, to have a coach. What was the expectations that you have back then? Well, I didn't have any expectations because it was um, quite uh, new for me. And I was uh, very pleasantly surprised to hear about the personal voice coaching sessions because I uh, felt very strongly about my topic and uh, the, the idea I wanted to share around the topic. But I felt way less confident in doing the actual performance because I've been a fan of TED, TED Talks, the big conference, and I've been attending a few of the TEDx conferences that were held in Brussels before the pandemic. Um, and I was always like super interested in the topics, but also in full awe of the people that dared to be there in front of everyone talking about their idea. Um, so yeah. when I finally made the step, I was super nervous, but then really reassured to find out that they had actually foreseen this and, and planned a, uh, an accompaniment by a professional, which I think was in itself already worth taking the jump and doing the application, because that's an experience that is very valuable, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and so you already had the, the speech, I remember, when we started working together. And as I said, it's not... Um, in a TEDx, you might not have, or either you don't have coaching, or sometimes you have just um, like one la one session to just fine tune with you know with maybe the curator or other people from the TEDx team to give you some tips. But in your case, you really had like a process that took two months, which was very short. Just me, just 
give you that note because normally a TEDx can take six months to prepare, four months to prepare, and we've been doing this in a very short time. So congrats <laughs> on that because to put everything together, to think about the speech structure, etc., it's really hard to do it in uh, eight weeks um, and we, we have done it. Um, so how, how was the process of building the speech? Because we have two phases. One was to... Um, to think about the ideas that you want to bring into the speech and more importantly, what you have to leave out of the speech. So how yeah. was that process for you? Yes, well, that's very good that you remember that and mentioned that because that was indeed my biggest challenge. Like you say, I had my speech roughly, but it was way too long. It, um, it touched on way too, too many different aspects of my topic. Which is, of course, an all-encompassing topic because as soon as you talk about health and relationships, I mean, the, the topic is fast. But then you really helped me to think about the structure. To, you, I, I still remember your um, comparison with a house and how the house is built and you have the foundations and you have three foundations. And then you build from there further into the main idea that you want to bring to the audience. And... I must say that really helped me a lot. First, because of the limited time we had. But second, I have never been a person that learns things by heart. So it's thanks to the structure that I was able to deliver the talk. And each time I practiced it and the final delivery, each time there were different accents because there was a lot of material, a lot of content. Mm -hmm. And I don't learn things by heart, but thanks to the structure, I could follow my storyline and come to the idea and how to realize it. And I think that's really the biggest value. Well, there was many, many other uh, valuable aspects in the coaching, but that was for me, I think, the crucial aspect that made it possible to get ready in such a short amount of time while I was working full time and moving out of one house and into another. <laughs> I remember. Or Yes. It was a messy time. <laughs> it was very messy and very busy. But thanks to your structure, I think it really worked. So yeah. this for me, I'm, I don't think it would have been possible without the voice coaching that I received from you, actually, honestly speaking. So very grateful still. <laughs> <laughs> One warning, please never move. <laughs> no. When you are preparing a, tel a telex, well, it's way, way too stressful. But um, yeah, so basically what, what we have done was to, what I tried to give you was a, a kind of a backbone of your structure. And so there were some core ideas that you, from the beginning, you you have those ideas and it was pretty in the core of your 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 message. And then there was always like me, like, can be a new study or a different perspective or another example that you want to bring. And the, the problem with TEDx is you only have 18 minutes. And so I think the editing part, it's so important because it all have to make sense at the end. So it cannot be like individual like aspects that you, you know, just bring to the table. It, it has to have a, um, something that connects everything. And that was the backbone that I think you were talking about, you know, having a structure and then you can have the content that you're thinking. And of course, having this analogy as think about your speech as a house and the house has foundations and has a, you know, a key message, etc. And that was helpful. And we could, I was always 
please, Eva, don't don't bring more more things for the speech because we have to take it out and not to bring more things in. Um, but you were always flexible and willing to also, okay, this is not absolutely necessary or I can drop this or I can bring this. Uh, it was a, a really um, interesting process to edit and by the end, everything making sense. Um, so what surprised you during the sessions? Was anything that you felt like, oh, okay, we can also work on this or uh, or other things? Yes, well, um, one huge thing that surprised me was the way that you were understanding the topic. You seemed also interested in the topic and you really grasped it in that sense that you could also give feedback not only on how I delivered it, but also on what made sense in the content. And that I thought was very surprising because in the moment that they told me voice coaching, I thought all you were going to do was make sure that I pronounce correctly and that I don't speak too fast and things like that. And you did that, of course. But then you brought so much, you really helped me perform the talk. So that I think was really surprising and I didn't expect that. A very uh, nice fringe benefit, I would say. <laughs> yes, and that is um, part of my methodology, which is, of course, you want to perform well and you want to have your voice at, I would not say at your best, but at least in a way that you feel proud and you feel natural and fluid and comfortable on stage. Uh, because we're not talking about a totally makeover of your voice. Uh, it doesn't make sense. It, it's not authentic. So you have to be just yourself, but with techniques and to feel confident. But I realized throughout the years that just having good techniques for the voice wasn't enough. And I needed to go and work in some other aspects with, for example, the way you start your speech, the way you finish your speech, What are what's in between, where, where are the interesting points that you should highlight and that you can do through the voice, but also you can do through telling a story, uh, adding an example, um, or mentioning some interesting fact or statistic or study. So it's not only like the, the voice, but also other things that grab the attention throughout the speech. And of course, all connected to a main message, to a main topic, and something that will transform the audience. So what do you want the audience to feel and to do differently after hearing a talk? Uh, one of the main... Um, mistakes, I would say, people that want to do a, speak, a speech is to talk about themselves. So, of course, everyone has an interesting story and you had also an interesting story in your TEDx, but the focus was always the audience and the other and what what's in, what's in for them. And for someone that's thinking about doing an inspiring speech, which is also the line of TEDx, it's not about myself and how interesting, inspiring, amazing I am, but what in my story, in my uh, experience, what was interesting to share, but also that can inspire others to do something with my talk. And that's the level that we want in a, in a TEDx. It's not only sharing your story, but is, you know, as they say, a story worth sharing, ideas worth sharing. Um, and I think you did it very, very well. Um, so, and then we're talking about the preparation. So we had um, maybe it was six sessions yeah. or six sessions and things. Uh, so some of them on the content, others on the, the part of the voice and gestures, etc. But how was the big day? You know, 
there was some nerves, some like speaking anxiety before. And how did you manage that? Because you feel like, oh my gosh, like it was a buildup and then the D-Day <laughs> arrives and you have to deliver. Yes. Yes. Well, you prepared me really well for that as well. And I still remember you telling me, don't overdo it. Don't over practice just before the day. So I practiced the ones in the evening before, and then I went, tried to go to bed quite early, but obviously you don't sleep that well because you're still thinking about how should I do it. And then in the morning itself, I only practiced once. I really followed your advice. And then uh, we were gathering, I think, around three, and the event started around five or something. And so I went for lunch, but I took my printout with me. So at the lunch, I was going to look at our colors, you know, for the intonation and slowing down and speeding up, which I also thought was very valuable. But I had the printout next to me and the table next to me started talking to me like, oh, it looks like you're preparing a speech and blah, blah, blah. So I started, you know, really a conversation with them about TEDx and then they, they tried to come and see it. But I think it was um, close to no more ticket sale. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it was very interesting, but that kind of relaxed me. Mm -hmm. And then. I went back to my room because I had a hotel right by um, the venue. My bag, I didn't get changed yet because my talk was almost the last one in the whole conference. So I was the seventh speaker of eight and I was talking after dinner. So I'm thinking, what if something happens during the dinner? Um, <laughs> I'm not going to change until after dinner. So I changed while the sixth speaker was talking. Uh, the fifth probably was talking, then I came down, I prepared, and then the outfit that I bought just a few days before, all of a sudden was too small. <laughs> I, felt I, my heart, I felt my heart and everything felt tight and I'm like, oh my God. So it was really <laughs> the nerves coming up and yeah. creating this restricting feeling uh -huh. and you saw it and you're like, breathe slowly. <laughs> Breathe in slowly, breathe out slowly. Then I had to stand up and prepare to go on stage after the introduction. While I was walking on the stage, I'm like, breathe in slowly, breathe out slowly to myself, obviously, internally. <laughs> this <laughs> will be weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I don't think anybody noticed. And then I delivered the speech because what happens or what tends to happen if I go and deliver a corporate speech or a presentation or whatever, I had the tendency before to rush through it, to want to have it over and done with. But you really, you know, insisted on it's not uh, English, it's not people's native language. You need to take your time. Don't speak too fast. And I really focused on that, on the performance level. I think that worked internally. My mind was racing, but somehow... I don't think it shows too much. I think you, some people who, who know might see it, but I don't think it shows too much. And um, so I was able to kind of manage the nerves to the extent that they helped me perform and not ruin uh, the mm -hmm. performance, I mm -hmm. think. Yes. And that's exactly what we want because uh, the nerves, they will always be there. It's yeah. how you deal with that. Mm -hmm. So we can... Or, or because the, the adrenaline is is there to help you perform. So the story that you tell to yourself is either I will use this adrenaline to help me focus and, you know, to focus on my performance and to do my best, or I will 
tell the story that this adrenaline is blocking me and it's too much and I cannot do it. So the dialogue, the, the internal dialogue has to be very smart and very efficient on how you deal with the nurse. So basically, there was even a study about people performing, for example, in, in speaking in public, which is a threatening <laughs> or for many people, it's a stressful situation. And also they have uh, athletes before a big com uh, competition, you know, and they measure the, the stress levels. And basically speaking in public is the same stress as competing in a, you know, in a, in a big game. Although the athletes, because they are used to do it very often and they want to win, they want to perform, they are excited. They turn the adrenaline into something positive, you know, <laughs> competition, uh, testosterone. Uh, okay, let's smash the, the the other the the other team. Whilst sometimes in public speaking, we seem like the audience is threatening us and is going to judge us or what what if I do a mistake? So we we think that we are less powerful than the audience. All the athletes tells the story that I I am you know capable. I'm going to. So it's like basically the symptoms are the same. Is the way you deal with the nerves that makes a difference between performing at a great level or uh, allowing the nerves to take over and to really block that yeah. amazing message that you you want to share. Um, so now your TEDx is online, right? For yeah. a few weeks. Um, so what was the feeling of, um, I, I suppose that you watch it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think oh I have half of the number of watches, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Alf, like a million watches, like Alf is yours. No, no. Um, uh, but first of all, what was the feeling of listening to your and watching your talk for the first time? Yeah, so because it took a bit longer for my own talk uh, to be put online, because I used a lot of studies and scientific data, TEDx came back and asked for the source material. So we had to resubmit with the source material in the notes, in the speaker notes, which obviously... They are not recorded because in your talk, you're not going to say, and I have this from that study on that page and, mm -hmm. and so on. Uh, so that whole process took a bit longer. So my speech was, or my talk was on a few weeks or even a month and a half after the other one. And I, I seen all the other ones, obviously. And uh, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, yeah, that was really good. And this all. Uh, and then my own one came. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. Oh. It's, it's kind of like you have this distance because it happened end of April mm -hmm. and now it came online on the 1st of November and I only found out, I think, the first end of the first week. So you have that distance and it creates kind of um, an experience as if you're wa watching somebody else's speech. Mm -hmm. um, so you can see it objectively. You can say, oh, yeah, there maybe I could have done this or, you know. Uh, but you also see the reactions from the audience. Not that it's very much in view on the video, but you see, if you know, you see people like move and, and laughing <laughs> and laughing. And then um, especially what I noticed now that the speech is online and I only posted it. I didn't post it really. I only send it to people that I know that were mm -hmm. interested. And the feedback I got was um, was actually very positive. So nobody really... Noticed all the little things that I noticed about, you know, what mm -hmm. I only did. us, only yeah. you can see it. I think even I can't even see it <laughs> right now. Yep. You know, between what we agreed uh, to do and uh, what yep. you have done, I think it was quite s similar 
the way you delivered with the way I imagined that you would deliver. And on my side, I'm really proud. When I saw the video, I was like, yes. <laughs> it was a really, a really good talk when I saw it live. But now that I've seen it recorded and knowing everything that was behind the talk, yeah, I think you managed pretty well to, to say what you want to say, you know, without losing the track of thoughts. And, you know, also in terms of the delivery, not rushing through it, doing the right pauses, etc. Um, but so that you, send it, you send it to some people and yeah but I, I only send it like really because I wanted to see the first feedbacks before I made like a big uh, you know big push and uh, but the feedback was was good and um, I mean honestly the way like I say it looks like it's somebody else in that sense that I'm surprised that I was able to do that and I know how I felt inside I, but... I felt the adrenaline and the nerves and I really don't see it when I see the talk. So I'm like, this is so funny, right? Because you you become aware of how actors must feel, live actors on a stage or, you know, opera singers or whatever. Everybody has this stage fright, but they perform amazingly. And then when, when you do something as an amateur, you're like, yeah, I'm super nervous and this and that. And you don't realize probably everybody still has that. But because they know how to perform, then you don't see it. And um, yeah, that I think was um, was a very nice uh, a nice experience to see from the other side. I I experienced it from one side, and now on the other audience, uh, audience exactly. Yes, yes. Uh, and so of course it's still recent, but uh, TEDx is something that is there in the internet forever. And uh, and of course I I would share also the link of your TEDx in this podcast in the in the notes. Uh, and I invite everyone to to watch it. I I personally love to work with you on this topic. Um, you know, as as uh, speaker coaches, we can also kind of see the profiles of people that we are going to work with. And I remember that I I I, I saw that it could be a good match because I also believe in uh, in connections and human connections and uh, the quality of our relationships. And your topic was really insightful and um, about and pretty modern and uh, we we need it you know we need to to listen to this um the way you approach the 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 dating apps and you know what's the damage it can it can bring but also solutions how to use it in our advantage so i really invite everyone who's listening to this if you are interested in having better relationships if you are dating or thinking about dating someone if you are using uh, dating apps uh, what you should pay attention to uh, what to do, what not to do. So Eva was took really uh, made a really really comprehensive <laughs> talk about the topic, even though it's not the focus specifically on your coaching practice. So you are not focused on the conscious coupling, uh, the relationships. Or in specific, your approach is much broader. So you are a well-being coach. It's not only about dating, but you brought one part of our well-being, which is related to dating that I found really precious and, and interesting. So congrats on, and on the courage to bring that topic to the TEDx stage. It was really nice. So we are coming to an end of this, uh, this conversation. Uh, where can people find more about, so first of all, your TEDx, which the name is Swipe Right With Love, I guess. Yes. It was the final title. Yes, Swipe Right With Love. Uh, it will be here in the comments. But uh, where people can find more about you, your company, your business? 
Um, yes, well, the easiest way is um, LinkedIn for sure, because you can just find me on my name, Eva Champagne, in the search bar. And I have an Instagram handle uh, dedicated to my health and well-being coaching, and that's called at happy and healthy underscore coach. And then, of course, uh, the TEDx talk is on YouTube, so that uh, is easy to find mm -hmm. as well. And mm -hmm. also your LinkedIn and Instagram will be here in the the description of the episode. So if you want to go there and follow Eva, uh, it will be amazing. So thank you so, so much. Uh, it was an incredible experience working with you. I learned a lot. <laughs> uh, even I was interested in, in the topic, but I learned a lot with you. It was fun. It was insightful. And I hope you like it too. So thank you for sharing your experience in this podcast. Yes. Can I just also, thank you. <laughs> I would like to add that in because I think this whole experience has been really amazing. And I want to say to everyone, if you have just the inkling of doubt and you want to do a talk and you have an idea, don't hesitate. Do it with TEDxCarriel Leuven Brussels. And if you can have Ines as a coach, it will be an amazing learning journey and an amazing experience to just do it at least once in your lifetime. I mean, this was an amazing voyage. So the name of the conference was well chosen. Exactly. Thank you, Eva. And yes, and I hope we can meet again, maybe in a future talk. <laughs> yes, exactly. I will, without a doubt, uh, get back in touch for that. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Now I challenge you to implement right away one tip or strategy coming from this episode. If you want to know more about how to waste your value and prepare to challenges ahead, feel free to reach out and book a 30 minutes free call to discuss your goals with me. I would love to hear from you. And finally, always remember, your voice matters. Talking.